0: I see, you think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? You think Jesus was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts! Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Pastor Andrew Stone. Now, Andrew uh, has been on staff at Worship Centre Christian Church for many years and is now an itinerant speaker. He's released an album and uh, he's got a great heart for the gospel of Jesus Christ and reaching youth in particular is a big area for him. It's a blessing to have him in the studio today. How are you, mate? Good, mate. I'm doing really well. Now, Andrew, for those who don't know uh, much about your ministry and uh, your story, tell us uh, where were you born and raised and what's your your family background? Okay. Well, I was born and raised in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't hold that against
1: me. Um, but my ethnic background is my dad is half British and half Indian, and my mum's mm-hmm. South American. Okay. So there's a very big mix there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell us, were you raised in like a Christian home? What was your background?
1: Yes, absolutely. My parents, I'd be the third generation Christian mm-hmm. in my household, and uh, I re- always refer to my dad making a legacy reset. Yeah. Um, so that... Uh, he could choose how his family was raised in a biblical way, mm-hmm. and so I'm always grateful for that. And I, I, I grew up under the pews, you know, of the church. I yep. remember what it was to fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> with my toys
0: playing with cars under chairs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from a young age, um, was there a moment when you could say, "Yes, that's when I was converted," or was it just a gradual, you know, walking with the Lord? I guess you just always are taught
1: that Jesus loves you, but mm. and that's just a real head knowledge thing, but until you have that experience. Yourself, I don't think it really it, – it kind of blurred for me. Mm. I remember at eight years old I made a decision to follow Christ and said, you know, went to the altar for the power team. And for those that are listening, you know, might remember them, you know, uh, the big muscly guys that could break ice and whatnot. I remember making that decision, and it was a heartfelt moment yeah, when yeah. I was eight years old. I remember it. You know, I remember holding my dad's hand at the altar because he came wow. up with me.
0: I remember it was uh, a John Jacobs and the power team, and they would rip phone books yes, in half. that's them. They, yeah. yeah, those guys are huge, aren't they? <laughs> huge,
1: huge. Anyway. It was just for me as an eight-year-old, I was like, you could be big and strong and a Christian. You know, that was a really (laughs) cool thing. And so that was the eight-year-old decision. But as I grew up, I always knew God loved me. I guess I tested the boundaries a little bit too. But I think in my late teens, early 20s, I I really came to that point where after university I'd studied business at QUT and um, I was looking for purpose in, I guess, everything else And I couldn't find it anywhere else. And so God really got a hold of my life. I always blame my praying mother for, um, you know, bringing me back. And and I really found purpose in living for God
0: and now I, I and I guess I've never turned back. So tell us about um you know how you got involved in ministry. You know, what did you do after you finished school? Like we you're at uni and everything. Yeah. But were you in ministry at the same time? Like how did you get into ministry? No, well growing up in the church I always served in the church. But oh, I, right, I yeah.
1: always call myself the fridge Christian because you know on Sundays, <laughs> you know, you'd open the fridge and the light would come on and during the week it would be closed. And <laughs> uh, and so I was serving, I knew you know how to serve and yeah. you know where to serve, but my heart wasn't Necessarily connected. Yeah. When I finished university after school, I went straight to university yeah. to QT, and I did a degree in business and marketing mm-hmm. and advertising. And then uh, in that time, uh, my parents that started, started a recording studio, and that's where our music background yep. comes from, oh, etc. Okay, yep. So we did some gospel music, etc. And from that time though, I was singing in different places. Now. I, because I grew up in church, I didn't necessarily want to be a pastor. Yeah, I was okay to be the music guy. <laughs> that was less responsibility for me. That's the way I thought. Yeah, and so I could sing and then just walk away. Well, I was in, I was uh, asked to become the youth and young adults music director at worship center in uh, the early two thousands. no, I like to probably about two thousand and six. Yep, and about halfway through the year, the youth pastor came to me and said, "Look, I feel God is moving me on to travel and itinerate." How? What, what do you think? Would you like to become the new youth pastor? And wow. at first, I actually refused because I went, "God, this isn't the plan for my life." Probably a few months later, God really turned my heart, and so I accepted with the idea that it was just a seasonal thing—that mm-hmm. it would be, you know, one, you know, one year, two years max. Yeah. But once I started, I was spoiled for anything different, and I remember the lives changed for young people, especially in the schools, in the community, even in the shopping malls. You know, and I remember Clark. Taylor, who was a senior pastor at the time, coming to me, he said, "You got that look in your eye like you've been spoilt for you know for everything else." Yeah, and I said, "It's true." And from that point on, I guess that was the beginning of ministry for me, um, pastorally. So music led me to um, the pastoral or preaching ministry, mm-hmm. and now I couldn't honestly do anything else.
0: So tell us about that time in youth ministry. You know, you know, a lot of youth groups they just play games, yeah, and they just have I, you know <laughs> babysitting I, I, for church kids. Yeah, is that what you did in your youth group? No, not at all, not at all. Uh, we had lots of fun though.
1: We yeah, had, yeah. and I, I used to I always. I'm a big kid myself, yeah. so teenagers are just big kids, and so I used to go toy shopping, and you know, I used to bless them like crazy, but. I think that every young person deep down is looking for a real encounter with God. Yeah. They've got a lot of questions, but they want to encounter God. They don't want to just learn about Him. They want to encounter Him. So I was really green at this. I'd never passed it ever before. and So what I did was I just copied Clark. For I took a Sunday service, and I would change some of the message to be more, I guess, uh, relevant to a younger generation. But I would take the core of it and the presence of God in the house, and I would— um, moving words of knowledge, and I would teach kids how to hear from god and and it was so exciting because after a few years when we did i guess some statistics seventy five percent of our youth ministry. Made their first time decision with us Wow that's great You know, And all of them would, would pray for people and pray for the sick And I used to get phone calls from parents saying that Our kid has changed So it was definitely more than games It was a real encounter with God
0: So you weren't just babysitting the church no. kids You were reaching out to unchurched absolutely. kids and, absolutely. Yeah, that's such good fruit And you know I just think it's so important That there's a, a next generation that's being raised up yes. That have that heart for the gospel mm. And that heart to pray for the sick And, and yeah. to see the kingdom come wherever they go Not just a babysitting service no, so not at all. So, and how did you meet your wife? Well, we actually went to school
1: together. Ah. And we were at McGregor State High School. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we kind of knew each other. And to tell you the funny part of the story is that in grade 12, when I was in grade 12, I was one of the school captains and she was writing the school magazine. And what happened was, like a typical boy, I had to get some articles in and I just wasn't writing them and she was in charge of it. So she would chase me around the school. Now, at that time, McGregor had 1,800 students. She would chase me around the school, and my friends knew her as the girl that was hassling me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, uh, that's how we officially met properly, and I've, I remember just giving her these excuses, like, oh, I'll bring it tomorrow, and it never happened. And then one day, I was walking around the corner, she grabbed me by the arm, she cornered me, grabbed me by the arm, and said, we're going to write this right now. And she took me to the library, she sat down, and she said, you're just going to tell me what, you know, your message is for the school. Yeah. And from that point, I just just tell people she bossed me around then and now it just really hasn't changed that much you know but she, she is just great at um, at facilitating and making this ministry so great mm. and uh, and but it was back then so that's how we met each other and then a few years later we were at a, a mutual friends engagement party didn't know that the other one would be there and it just kind of hit it off from there
0: there you go what a great love story yeah <laughs> now uh, you've got a couple of mentors I'm really uh, excited to hear his mentoring you is Bob Mendelssohn. Yes. Now, he runs Jews for Jesus, and he's got a great uh, sense of humor, a very, yeah, very sharp uh, operator when it comes to bringing the Word of God to yes. people, you know. Tell us how you connected with Bob. Well, I connected with Bob Mendelssohn through a mutual friend of ours. and. I guess I was
1: inspired to look for Bob Mendelssohn's wisdom on, you know, history and culture based on and my big brother in the ministry, Shane Willard. Uh, he had a rabbinical mentor and I was just intrigued at the way he could expound the word of God. And it just really, really inspired me. So I wanted one myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, um, through Phil, I met Bob Mendelssohn. And uh, for the last few years now, uh, Bob and I have been writing series together. He, I would bounce off pretty much any idea that I have. And so I fly down to Sydney and I spend a couple of days with him at Bondi. And we will just talk together, discuss God together, and find great things and great revelation. And so, all my series and all the preaching that I do has a Jewish, historical, and cultural background to it.
0: Now, mate, I had a look through your itinerary. You know, yes. you've gone out uh, as a you know itinerant preacher, and uh, you've been to the states, you've been mm-hmm. to New Zealand, you've been all up and down the coast of Australia, yeah. and WA. Uh, you've really uh, not just. I mean, you're only 29, you're a young fellow, but you're not just a youth preacher no. anymore. You're preaching to the big churches too, Absolutely. you know. Uh, what's the message that you bring when you go into a, into a school or a church or a conference? What's the main message? The, the main message that I bring, I say it's really simple. It's to reveal the fullness of God's
1: love for us and humanity on yeah. earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and And because I grew up in a multi-generational church and... Uh, Clark and I work so well together, bridging the gap. We always said there was no generational gap in our church, mm. and we really built towards that because God is interested. To God, a generation is from zero to a hundred, so there is really no segmenting with God, and so we really work together to do that. And so, seeing that fullness of God's love touch every generation, see the same Holy Spirit that gives me uh, teaching for a group of young people is the same Holy Spirit that gives me teaching for any other age group. And so it's the message that God just wants to reveal to the whole world, which is his love. And every age group needs God's love. Mm. So we're seeing that, you know,
0: that's the main message and it's touching everybody's life. Mm. And I noticed you've got a whole bunch of different preaching series that you do. Yes. Uh, you do series, you know, on things like miracles. And well, what are the other kind of uh, series that, that you like to tackle? Well, probably mm. one of the the first ones that I did
1: uh, was called rehab. And let me explain that one because it's about being rehabilitated into God's original plan for us. From the beginning, we were created to live in His kingdom, reality, culture, and dominion. And I feel, and it was a challenge for me. I felt God once tell me in, in prayer, He said, you need to be rehabilitated into my way of life. And I thought I was doing all the right things, (laughs) but it was a kingdom mentality. You know, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means change your mind, realize now. And so I had to learn that. And so it's a discovery journey of – understanding that the kingdom of heaven is at hand right here, right now, with every breath that we take, and living in it, not just for us, but for the whole world. So that was rehab. The second one after that was uncontrollable love. And that, again, was a revelation from Mark four thirty-five to 41, where the disciples are afraid during the storm but terrified after Jesus calms it. And it's understanding the uncontrollable loving nature of God. And sometimes that's terrifying because we're so overwhelmed by it. But it's just because
0: he loves us that much. So that's really the main stream of thought. And you have released an album a while yes, back. Yes, I have. And uh, that was uh, titled My Love, My Life, My Lord. Yep. Uh, what style of music
1: is that? Yeah. That was very R&B and gospel. Mm-hmm. I still love R&B and gospel, and mm-hmm. uh, that was something I loved to travel with. I had the opportunity to work with great people on the album and release it and uh, and it just it, it did play on radio stations, etc. And uh, and I really had a good time
0: touring with it as mm-hmm. well. Very cool. Well, uh, it's great to see a young bloke like you getting out on the road, sharing the gospel, <laughs> and you know, bringing a bit of music and you know, whatever doors open. I just pray the Lord continues to open doors you. for you and gives you favour in your ministry. And Andrew, it's been such a privilege to uh, connect with you today. And uh, mate, I reckon you're a history maker. Thank you. <laughs> well, God bless you, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.